0: Welcome to the Inspiring You Show. I'm Henry, and this, my friends, is a vibrational experience, a remembering of the truth of who we are. The content is light encoded to assist you on your journey if you receive for your highest good. Okay, so here at Inspiring You, we get asked a lot about going for your dreams. In general, in life, also in career, how to handle difficult situations at work, signs of burnout, what to do when stressed, signs of gaslighting and what to do, how to also career transition, and tools to support and so much more. Back on September 7th, 2021, I did a recording of a podcast series called Live and Learn with former colleague and friend, Mike Hazen. Because these episodes have a ton of information, so much insight and helpful tools and also so inspiring. We will be sharing all eight episodes here on the Inspiring You show. And so in the first episode, it's how we got here. And so Mike and I really kind of take part how we got to where we are. We are both former reality TV executive producers and we share how we each broke into the entertainment industry, how we were two kids way back when. And we had a dream that we wanted to work in television and how our roads got us to the place where we manifested and how we then met working on the iconic NBC game show, Weakest Link. So you will hear the introduction to Live and Learn, and then it is an incredible conversation and I'm just so proud of this series and I just really want more people to hear it because I feel like there was so much there that could support people and inspire people as well. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and please feel free to share and message us because we would love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Welcome to Live and Learn with Henry and... Mike! (laughs) Woo! We are former executive producers, colleagues, and we were part of the trailblazing generation that was on the frontier of creating and solidifying reality TV as a genre.
1: That is a very solid statement right there. It's it's factual as well. Uh, Henry, you and I, we met in our 20s, and after many years apart, and after both successfully making a career change... We're coming back together. It's yes, been nice. We, we have experienced a lot and we are ready to dish, deconstruct, and unpack it all. We're going behind the scenes and pulling back the curtain to share our stories, giving our audience a glimpse into the real and reality TV and so much more.
0: Whew, I'm a little nervous about that.
1: I know. The real and reality TV. Let me say this in case people couldn't tell. I read a paragraph. Okay. I read something that you wrote. It was fantastic when you wrote it. I might've not read it quite as good, but what you did say is a glimpse of the real and reality TV. And that's really what this is about.
0: Absolutely. That being said uh, today, we're going to be chatting about how we broke into working in television. So if you're all wondering how it happens, stay tuned. And what I think is interesting, Mike, I actually don't, really know how you got into TV. I just know that you kind of showed up in my life in my <laughs> 20s and there you were.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, um, I did. We, we, uh, we met on a, a game show called The Weakest Link. That was a huge hit at the time. It, 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 I can't remember. It was already a pretty big hit when I showed up um, on it was, NBC. It was
0: primetime show on NBC. It was in a primetime show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if, for those that don't remember, it was a game show where there was a really mean old English lady, or at least she seemed old, like an old, when we were in our twenties, everyone is old, but um, she would, you know, it was a trivia show and they would say, the woman would say, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And uh, I feel like whenever I share what this what the show was, as soon as I say that part, they go, oh yeah, I remember that show. And now they're actually doing a remake of it um, with Jane Lynch as the host, and it's on NBC again with the same executive producer, Stuart Krasnow, which is how I ended up in getting into television. So to answer your question, Henry, when I was just graduating college out of University of Arizona, this was 2001, uh, I knew I, I wanted to be a sitcom writer. And so-
0: I didn't know that. Written,
1: yeah, I had written some spec scripts. Uh, I wrote one for that 70s show. And, uh, and, and I was really interested in, and I was obsessed with sitcoms. I still am actually, I love sitcoms and I wanted to be a sitcom writer, but I didn't know anything about what it took to become a sitcom writer. Um, I just knew that you needed to know somebody to get into Hollywood, right. To get into the industry. And I didn't know anybody. So I would fax my resume. I would go on showbizjobs.com.
0: You or, think you need to explain what a fax machine is?
1: Oh my god. Yeah. It's that's so funny. <laughs> or yeah. I would mimeograph my resume and Xerox it. Um, no, yeah, I would fax my resume to 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 phone numbers that I fax numbers that I would pull off of the internet. Just and for some
0: context two, out there, kids, this was before email. Be,
1: um email, right? Email was just sort of starting to be a thing. And, but fax was way more, way more prevalent,
0: way more popular back then.
1: Yeah. And, um, and so, but I, but the internet was around and things were, you know, starting to to happen, but there was a couple of websites, hollywoodjobs.com and showbizjobs.net were, were places that I would frequent and people, it was like a job board. People would post, Oh, looking for this person, looking for a production assistant, blah, blah, blah. And, and they would give information, uh, the contact information. And so I would fax my resume, which, you know, as a college graduate, as, as a lot of you who might be listening might know is not filled with a lot of stuff, right? It's a lot of fluff, not a lot of stuff. I just made that up. That was flashy. wasn't That's it? a good one. And, um, and so after about three months of, of faxing my resume, mailing my resume, um, I, you know, I was talking to my dad who is a an accountant at the time. And he had a, a client who was in the entertainment industry and happened to know a guy named Stuart Krasnow and was able to set me up on an interview. Um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I, I, I just knew that it was at NBC studios and I was so freaking excited and nervous to go to an, a, a studio lot and meet somebody and so I went there, I met Stuart. I walked in with my University of Arizona. I had like a green folder with my resumes printed out. And I was, you know, I probably had a sweater on or something. And uh, I went Kinda in there. And Stuart, yeah, and Stuart, for those that don't know, Stuart is a very friendly, flamboyant, big, friendly personality. Like he is just, he lights up a room. And when I walked in there- I would say he's probably he, one of the kindest people too in the industry. If not the, right? The the kindest person. Uh, find Try to find a, ba- a person to say something negative about Stuart Krasnow. now. I, I challenge you because you probably can't do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I went in there with my, my Arizona fo- portfolio and um, just went in there. I didn't even know what I was interviewing for. I just went in there and he was on the speakerphone with his boyfriend at the time who- I walked in the room and, and, and Stuart says to his boyfriend, I won't say his name, but he, this guy just walked in with a University of Arizona folder. Apparently his boyfriend was a graduate of University of Arizona. And so I said, oh, wow, tell him I said, bear down. That's the thing that we say from, you know, from, from Tucson. And he said, he says, bear down. And his, his boyfriend flipped out and it was like the greatest thing. So immediately I had this sort of moment of a connection with somebody. And um, from then on, it, it sort of turned into this, this uh, really great relationship. And so he offered me a he said, I don't have anything right now on the weakest link that I'm working on. But there's a show that I'm developing called Dog Eat Dog. And um, if you want to help me come up with some ideas for this show, I, I would love to have you do that. And then we can kind of go from there. And I'm like, shit, that's is fantastic. So Dog Eat Dog was a um, a a stunt trivia show. It was from the the executive producers of Fear Factor and Weakest Link, and um, so it was it was new. I guess it came from the UK. So he hands, Stuart hands me a VHS. He hands me two VHS tapes, right? And he says, "Watch these episodes. These are from the UK, and we're trying to adapt this for the for the US. So come up with five ideas of what you think would be great stunts and in in events for the for the show, and you know come back to me in in two weeks." So I go home. I watch the tapes. Within three days, I come up with 20 ideas like I write. I type them up. I print them out. I, and I and I send them over. And I said, here you go. And he did you I, fax them over
0: again? I,
1: you know, I can't remember. I might have. I might have faxed them. But uh, I sent him over and he was like so excited about them. He said something just came up on The Weakest Link. If you want to come in and be a production assistant on The Weakest Link, we'd love to have you. So he's like, you got to meet this guy, blah. Oh, I met the line producer. And I came in and I got a job as a production assistant on The Weakest Link. And that's how I met you. And so this Dog Eat Dog show ended up coming around a few months later, but that was sort of like, put a pin in that, you know, while that, cause as we know, development takes a long time, but um, I came in and started working on The Weakest Link as a production assistant. And yeah, that's where we met.
0: It was amazing. And we ended up working on Weakest Link, the syndicated show, which was the half hour version. As opposed to the hour primetime show, which I yeah. loved,
1: I d- I did a couple of episodes of the the primetime version, um, and and we can get into that I think later on I because I because there was some moments in that show that were super intense and um and and just sort of perpetuated a lot of the stereotypes of sort of and I'm using air quotes if you can't see me Hollywood, uh, and Hollywood producers and and directors and all that sort of super intense, you know, lifestyle, so to speak.
0: Definitely, we can get into that a little bit later on. Um, So what's interesting is as you were telling your story, um, one thing that I think is important for, you know, especially the kids graduating today is perseverance. And you really, you know, after month after month, here you are faxing your resume and just sending it out. You didn't even know who it was really going to and you just didn't give up. And I think for me, the key to really, if you will, making it, again, I'm using air quotes, making it in Hollywood. <laughs> it's really the perseverance and the drive. they really, you really have to want to be a part of it. And you really indicated that early on, not only for faxing your resume and then asking anybody <laughs> who knows anybody and ending up you know, with your dad coming through, And then, you know, when Stuart asked you about, you know, taking a look at the VHS and then you just going home and just being so excited about the possibility of having any kind of job and being a part of it, you came up with like 20 different ideas. And I think, you know, just showing that kind of excitement, that's really something that Now I understand after being an executive producer, that's something that you really look for in somebody who's graduating from college and wanting to come into the industry because it can be a ducky duck kind of world in the industry.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) Nice,
0: bringing it back. Where (laughs) it can be really challenging. And so if you don't have that real willingness and that want for commitment, then you could easily get, um, I don't know, you, you could just really lose hope and... Not end up gaining your goal of what you really want.
1: Well, you know, I think there's something to be said, uh, you know, to that, Henry. It's it's the sort of you hear this a lot, the wide eyed, bushy tail, right? It's the the innocence and the um, just that excitement of being of something being new. And I don't think that ever changes in life. Is is the uh, the excitement of something new? And if it because if it, if something new doesn't excite you um, when, you know, a new adventure that you're going on, then you, you, you might want to sit back and rethink some things because, um, you know, something new, you shouldn't be jaded, right? You shouldn't have a preconceived notion of how this thing could go sideways. And I think that, you know, I had heard some people before I got into it, that the entertainment industry was a tough business. It was tough. People are tough. And this is, you know, early 2000, 2001. So a lot of the politically correct you know, things that have been going on now over the last few years didn't exist back then. I mean, there was still very much that sort of traditional stereotypical Hollywood of the casting couch. And it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, and you know, people playing favorites and nepotism. And I'm not saying that stuff doesn't exist still, but it's certainly we're all more aware of it now. And um, as a 21-year-old kid coming out of college, all I could see was sky's the limit. And, uh, and, and I think part of it, that is what got me, I think, to succeed at the level that I did succeed was just sort of having that optimism and that, that wide-eyed, bushy-tailed attitude. But, um, as we will learn, as we go along, things aren't like that. That's not real. That's, that's, this is where we talk about the real in reality, right? It's not how it goes. And, um, you know, we learn lessons along the way.
0: I think- For me, that was part of it when I graduated from college. I didn't really understand um, a lot about the working world. And I think that's something that you just alluded to. We'll get more into it. Um, I was definitely very wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and very optimistic too coming out of college. And I was so excited. Uh, For me, I knew when I was five years old that I wanted to work in television. And I grew up in New England, in Massachusetts, in a small town and I went to Catholic school, 12 years of Catholic school. I told my eighth grade teacher, Sister Fernand, that one day I was gonna work in television and she told me, you need to be practical and maybe become, think about becoming like a secretary or yeah, something like that, or a nurse. That's what she said. She said, basically there was no way that I was gonna one day work in television. And I was like, oh no. Um, I'm gonna be going to California and work in television. And when you come from a small town in Massachusetts, it's not like you know living in Los Angeles where the business is literally entertainment. So I didn't know anybody. And so I went to college, I went to university in Massachusetts in Amherst and I studied communications, did five internships, went to Boston, New York interning. And then I saved up money um, for a whole summer. And I moved out here. I bought a one-way plane ticket with a friend from high school. I convinced a friend from high school to come with me. <laughs> and he's like, you show sure? you don't, we don't want to start in New York. I'm like, Oh no, I've already been there, done that. I interned in New York. Mm-hmm. No, nope, We're going to LA. And I knew two people here. And I said, Hey, can I, um, you know, sleep on your couch while we kind of figure it out? Got on the plane, came here with our bags packed and within two weeks, I had a job in the industry. And yeah, and I, I thought also like you, um, I thought when I was growing up that it was really gonna be scripted television because I love TV. Like I love, I love movies as well, but I, ha- I just love television and I love storytelling. And I really thought it was gonna be scripted. And so when I got out here, I all of a sudden landed a job in unscripted and I didn't even really understand like, do I like this? Is this what I want? Is this what I'm supposed to be? And what's interesting is later on, I ended up having an experience where I did work on a scripted show and I felt like it was so slow moving Whereas in reality TV, it's just, there's so much going on that you just have to really be present and on your game. And it was like, I was constantly figuring out a puzzle and it was just so exciting to me to be a part of that kind of energy to kind of always, okay, what do I need to figure out next? And I really couldn't sleep on the job, if you will. Whereas I feel like for me in scripted, um, when I was on set, it just felt really slow moving. And so, yeah, next thing you know, end up, you know, in 2001, I think it was right after um, I was scheduled to come on Week as Slank and then 9-11 hit. And so the show was pushed. And so we didn't even really know, you know, what's gonna happen, you know, is there gonna be a start date? There was just so much going on in terms of um, just society, everything. And then, and I had already been working in the industry for a couple of years by then. I had never worked on a game show though. And so when I got onto, I just, when I got onto week of slink, I loved everything about it. I loved driving to set every day. I really loved being a part of just NBC, the studios, and it just was so exciting. And then also our bungalow, our bungalow with brand new.
1: 1600,
0: <laughs> bungalow 1600. Which by the way, later on in. As my career went, I realized how good we had it because everything was brand new. Cause some production offices are not so nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I share that um that excitement in and you know what to this day, I still get excited, you know, if I if I have to find myself on a on a studio lot, but but sort of growing up, again, air quotes at NBC, um, NBC Studios, this is when the tonight show with Jay Leno was in its prime, I would say. Uh, J- Jay would uh, show up every day in a different car. For those that you know, Jay Leno, like he's a car enthusiast, and he would show up on a on a fire, in a, like a 1940s fire truck one day, and like a Model T the next day, and like a like a uh, a jet engine motorcycle another day. I mean, it was awesome to just sort of like you just roll in, and there's Jay Leno. And our set, our soundstage was right next to the Tonight Show, so we shared a hallway with the Tonight Show. And again, this was. I, I, we did a couple, I was there a couple of weeks before 9-11. So at this time, the, the, the elephant doors to Jay Leno's set was wide open. So when they did a music rehearsal... Uh, for the musical act you
0: could could just show up
1: yeah I saw Snoop Dogg do a musical rehearsal you know for the show we just went up we just went in there and sat in the in this in the bleachers or in in this in the audience and watched him it was just a big puff of smoke like (laughs) just like you would think it would be and and we would see the um the cards printed out on the bulletin board in the hallway of the different celebrities that were going to be there. And I remember J Lo was there. I remember Tom Cruise. I got to meet Tom Cruise one day because he was sharing a hallway with us. And like I said, hi to him and he shook his hand, like so much really, it was so exciting. And then days of our lives was there too, which I wasn't a huge soap opera fan, but I knew the history of it. And the fact that, you know, I got to see how they built those sets and how they record and they pumped the music through the speakers on the stage instead of editing it in afterwards and like just all these really cool different things that you get to pull back the curtain and see the behind the scenes. And again, like yourself, Henry, being fans of the genre of television, it was like, it was like being at Disneyland every day. And um, yes, the work that we did was stressful sometimes and, and, and challenging. And again, we'll get into all that stuff, but, but as starting out, having this attitude of like, we wanted to be in TV and here we are in Hollywood doing it. It was like, uh, that wasn't lost on me at all. Was it for you?
0: No, I loved it. I mean, I really felt like the magic of it. And even to this day, like you said, anytime I'm on a studio or if I see, um, you know, if I see any of the movie trucks parked somewhere, my heart starts like beating fast. I feel like just this joy running through me that, oh my gosh, some magic is happening. This is amazing. And I remember that. I remember that we used to go by, you know, Jay Leno, see what's going on, who's going to be playing. And we would sit there and listen. And it just was a real awesome experience, especially in your twenties. And then also one of the perks that we got was, You know, not only could people come to our show if they wish, but we also got tickets to the tonight show, Mm -hmm. which I just thought that was so incredible. And so, you know, my family, my friends that would be visiting from, you know, New England, it's like, what an amazing experience that they could have is yes, they can come see us at work at weakest link, but then they could also see a legend like Jay Leno. I mean, that was just really incredible
1: you you know what you know i i forgot about that actually but but there was something to that and it's a feeling i think that you and i both have deep down in us which is is transferring and has transferred into what we're currently doing in our careers which is the idea of sort of providing joy bringing joy to others and i don't think we realize it but like there was something really cool about a friend or a family member you know, not that they even asked, but that we could offer. We say, hey, do you want to see tickets? You want tickets to the time show, or you want to come to the weakest link and see, watch a taping of a TV show? And we could provide that. And they would be so excited. It was such a such a new and 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 it was like a club that they had that we had access to and we could get all of our friends in for free. And it was just such a cool thing. And that satisfaction of just being able to bring that joy and provide something to somebody, like I said, is I think something that is just in us and is certainly translated all the way through our careers in television and then into what we're currently doing.
0: Absolutely, and I think too, um, on show days, there is that feeling of just that excitement in the air. And so whether or not you're behind the scenes or if you're in the audience, you really feel it. Mm -hmm. And if you've been watching television for X amount of years and you do love watching television, it is. I think it's just exciting to see how it really happens And people are often surprised at how slow things can go as well.
1: Well, you know, it, it, I've been on some sets of shows that have been really slow. The weakest link though, man, when we did the syndicated, we got that thing down and we were banging out what six, was it six shows a day? It was
0: a lot shows? of shows a day. I it feel was. like it, when we
1: did the, when we did the half hour version, we were taping them in almost real time, the 22 minute episodes. And we were probably but, taping them in a half hour, a yeah. half hour at a time. If there was no lighting issues, <laughs> a and light we had, didn't break. I, or... I
0: have the stats. So we ended up doing 324 episodes. So that's a lot from 2002 to 2003. I mean
1: That's a lot. That's a lot. I didn't I didn't stick around for all of those um because I ended up going to doggy dog cuz halfway through the show and this is a this is sort of a good sort of discussion of of how things could sometimes shift but you know when I was working on Weakest Link <clears throat> I was I was deputized very quickly from a production assistant of literally just picking up garbage and bringing people coffee and food and doing all that That's stuff.
0: Camera side of the job,
1: right? Which is you pay your dues, and I was I was totally okay doing that. Like I I was I had no problems making sure that the ice blended vanilla decaf frozen latte was perfect every time and on the desk of the producer every time. Like I had no issues with that.
0: I almost felt like it was an honor to be able to do that, especially seeing. Oftentimes, how hard everybody's working,
1: yeah. I mean, honestly, Henry, I'm not gonna say that, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did.
1: <laughs> but, but for me, it felt like I just wanted to prove to whoever I was bringing that latte to, I knew that that person did earn it, you know what I mean? Like they worked their way to be, and in I guess that that's spot. what I
0: mean by honor, like they yeah. really earned it because you know, it's, and I guess I'll say somebody like Stuart where he's just so kind and right. has really just earned it and knows what he's doing. That to me, it was just, I was happy to do something like that to make somebody else's life easier in that in that way. Cause also then I was so grateful to be a part of it too. Cause he made, I feel like he really made um, the culture just a really good environment to be in.
1: Stewart had something about him that I certainly appreciated, which was he, he gave, he gave what he wanted back in return. He was so generous with his time in his, in, in for someone who's completely ADD, by the way, which he'll be the first to admit for someone who's so ADD, he, he gave you his time and his energy every time you spoke to him. And, It made me want to run through walls for him. He's the kind of guy who you would do anything for. And in fact, um, it, it was a very, in my, to looking back on it, it was a tough, he set the bar really high. And a lot of that was a reason, was a lot of his sort of expectation setting is probably part of the reason why I had so many issues with so many people down the line was because I thought everybody was like, Stuart, like, this is the first guy that I really met in the entertainment industry and got to know. And it's like, this guy knows the name of every security guard. He knows the name of every PA. He treats everybody with respect. He's so friendly. Um, He says, please. And thank you. He doesn't yell at anybody. And I'm like, wow, television's amazing. And then very quickly. And in, in, in fact, on that same show, I've came to find and meet other people who did not operate that way. And that was a, a very big sort of, you know, shot of reality, um, no pun intended, but our dose of reality. But I I knew that when I met him, I said, you know what, this is the kind of guy that I want to pattern myself after as I move through this career. I want to make sure that I know the names of security guards and production assistants. I don't want anyone to feel like they're less than just because they have a different title or make a different amount of money, you know, on their paycheck. I want to make sure that we're all treated like humans. We're all making television for crying out loud. We're entertaining people and no one is better than somebody else just because they have, like I said, a bigger paycheck or a fancier title. And so Stuart really set that bar um early on. And I and I know that he he had that impact on you too, Henry.
0: He absolutely did. In fact, um so I think we how I don't know if we worked together for five years, you and I, um in the NBC studios. It was around that time. But Stuart was somebody that we worked with often. And then years later, Um, I hadn't seen Stuart in a long time and about, I think it was like three years before I ended up um, career transitioning from the industry. I ran into Stuart on a show and I was walking down the hall and I had no idea he was going to be on the show. And I saw him, Mike, I basically burst out in tears and ran to him. (laughs) (laughs) Like a little child in the prairie. (laughs) And he had his arms out for me and I ran and he was just hugging me and I was Hugging him so tight. I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to let him go. I was just like, oh God, it's so good to see you. I felt like I had been through the war and he had his arms open, like telling me it was going to be okay. He was always a safe house. He really was. And I'm really grateful, you know, just like you, that he was in the beginning of my career. So that way I really also like, I kind of emulated how I wanted to be based on you know, partly you know him mentoring me
1: mhm yeah um you know it's a really it's a really good it was a really good experience uh the weakest link it it having that experience early on um in a lot of ways for me i i i'm a big sports fan and i equate it to being a rookie and like a rookie football player your first year of football and going to the super bowl but uh but the point is, is that it was just this, this new frontier of, of television genres and, and people didn't quite understand how it was. It was
0: like the wild west. Uh, okay. So I'll have to say from meeting you in your twenties and now how many years had it been since we talked? Cause we just talked a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, gosh, I don't, did we talk since my daughter was born?
0: I don't know.
1: My, I mean, my daughter's turning 10 in a few weeks. She'll be in, in July, July 14, she'll be 10. So and I have a second daughter who's four.
0: I know I congratulated you.
1: Of course. I think we, we,
0: and we, and we've talked via think, Facebook and. So it might've, it might be like, when's the last time we've seen each other?
1: Jeez, Henry, I honestly don't even know. No, it can't be that long. Can it? We, I feel like we had an average Joe reunion. Like,
0: I don't know.
1: Not that long. Maybe like, ugh. Not I think it's ago. been
0: like 10 years or so.
1: Let me just say this. You look exactly the same.
0: <laughs> so do you.
1: <laughs> it seriously feels like we're right now, we're like in a minivan with our laptops in our IFBs, like trying to listen to what's going on in the show and taking notes like, you know, crazy. It seriously feels like that.
0: So I was going to say when I met you in our 20s, it felt like, oh, this person's so familiar to me. And it really immediately felt like you were like a little brother to me. Yeah. And I always felt really protective about you, (laughs) even though you're much taller than me.
1: Well, most people are much taller than you, Henry. Let's be real. (laughs) No, and I felt the same way. I always felt like you were like my protector, older sister, who was so, so much wiser and so much more life experience and knowledge than me. And, and I was, I'm so grateful for that because there was. Uh, you know, we did a lot of growing up together in those in those times, both professionally and personally, In you know what was going on in our personal lives as well. I mean, we, we spent more time together than we did with our families and friends because we were always on set and the, the shows we were working on were typically on location and, and, you know, days, weeks, months, sometimes, you know, at a time together so. Um, as you, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the crew is like your family and, and it really is true. You spend more time with them than your family and, and, and you go through a lot of stuff with them. And, um, you know, you, you, you asked just a a minute ago, what was the, the high about weakest link and, and that, you know, and you, and you mentioned the people that you got to work with and I, and I, I, I echo that for sure. It was, there's, there's a, a group of, there's probably four or five people that I still talk to to this day it's like being it's almost like being in a fraternity or a sorority where you know your freshman year you all rush together pledge together and and you just have that bond and you're absolutely one of those people and and we could go years without seeing each other or talking but um you know we're still there like the the we're still on that wavelength which is awesome
0: I know. I love that. And so um, I do want you to watch the friends reunion because they do talk about exactly what you just said. And that was part of it when I was watching it. I was like, I totally understand what they're talking about because I feel the same way. And I feel the same way about you just in terms of our bond and our just our like, we are like family. We've been through a lot and we definitely did a lot of growing up together. Because if you remember, I also came in engaged. when I I I know. And by the end, I was like, "Okay, that's not going to work out. That was yeah. uh, and, man for a moment, I, not man for a lifetime."
1: And I was the opposite. I, yes. I I came in as a single bachelor and and looking to just have fun, and and I I ended up meeting my future wife. Yes. And, and
0: you and I had a very important conversation on a plane, and I ended up giving the ring back, and you ended up in a relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> We're still here. That's and who here decorated <laughs> the back, the back of my background here.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about quickly the career transition and then what we're grateful for. So,
1: absolutely, go ahead, you first.
0: So, I career transitioned from working as an EP in reality TV to dowsing and Reiki energy healer and mindful meditation teacher. So, yeah. Explain that. Explain what, what the heck that, that? is. <laughs> Basically, I realized at some point. Um, Well, actually, in my 20s, I had a parallel life where I was working with different uh, meditation teachers and energy healers and shamans to understand just energy healing arts. And so it was just like a whole nother life for me. And I was actually utilizing the tools that I was gaining and integrating them into my work lifestyle. And at a certain point, it just became obvious that I was going to be going down that path as a practitioner. That being said, there was a few other things that needed to happen that kind of opened up my eyes that it was time to career transition because I have to say, you know, I love story and I love TV and it did, it was challenging for me to leave. And I did have like loss and grief because I'd spent 20 years, you know, in an industry that, you know, just, I love story. And I was at the top of the mountain. We, we feel like you climb Mount Everest to get there to become an executive producer where you've gone through all kinds of things. You know, am I going to make it up? What is it? Hillary's peak? Am I going to use oxygen or not? Oh my God. And you finally summit and you get to the top and you're like, yes, I'm at the top. And next thing you know, you're like, wait a minute. Do I even want to be at the top? <laughs> <laughs> do I even want to be on this mountain or summit? And you realize like, wow, okay. And I just had a few moments and um, that just, you know, I saw the light that it was time to career transition. And now I am doing energy healing, which basically, you know, you can have a lot of stress and feel tension. And so with an energy healing session, typically you can actually support clearing and reducing the stress and tension to allow yourself to be more in alignment and really being in more connection to your breath. So that way you just feel more at peace and at ease in your life. So you're not walking around, you know, with, um, you know, how your, your shoulders can get really tense and you get you know, just hunched up and, you know, and you, uh, maybe are just like deep breath, like not quite yeah, fully me, me every, day, Henry. Yeah, yeah, like every, every day. So anyway, energy <laughs> healing can help with that. And then mindfulness meditation really teaches you in terms of the connection to the mind and body. So that's what I do now. What about you, Mike?
1: Well, I thanks for asking. I so you listening to what to, to you talking about your transition, I think that what our listeners should know is that we're gonna go into all the moments that sort of led us to be here. And because you just skipped over a lot of stuff. You just sort of was like, snap your fingers, we start a weakest link and now we do something different. And you know, and we talked about a lot of really fun. Exciting things, and I think people can hear in our voices that we have and had a passion for entertainment in in that industry. Um, but but something changed along the way, and it wasn't one thing, it wasn't one instance. It was a, an accumulation of lots of things and lots of variables and factors that have led us to where we are right now, and um, and we'll get into that. But but for the, the the short version is now I am a real estate agent. I got my real estate license about three and a half years ago. Um, but, but I now currently I find joy in helping people and providing a service to people where I can also be near my family and focus on my little girls and my wife and, and be present and not carry around a lot of that stress in that those, those negative feelings that I was getting from my previous career. And, um, and, and in more than anything, for me, it's doing it on my terms. It's I've chosen, basically, just like you, Henry, to be my own small business owner, um, a real estate agent, for those of you that don't really know a lot of people just think, oh, you buy and sell houses, and you put your name on a bus stop or your picture on a bus stop or something, right? That's what a realtor does. You know, it's You're running a small business and you have to advertise, you have to market, you have to um, brand yourself, you have to create content, you have to figure out ways to generate, you know, new clients and new business, just like you, Henry, we have, that's, that's what we have to do. And in in a world where we spent so many years creating content and doing things for other people, it's been so, even if you are the showrunner of a show, as you know, there's network executives to answer to. There's, there's so many people, there's never... There's, you're never truly autonomous, but in a small business like we both are doing, even though they're completely different, we are autonomous. We get to pick and choose how hard we want to work, when we want to work, where we want to work, and really, I hope to get to a point where I get to choose who I want to work with. And, um, and I thought I was there in television, by the way, a few years ago, I thought I had made it to that mountaintop that you're talking about, where I could pick and choose the kinds of people that I wanted to work with because I wanted to work with people like me and like you, Henry. I you wanted know, I to re-
0: thought, I thought I did for a while too,
1: <laughs> but as we know, you know, and, but, but by the way, I, I, people listening, look, there is always somebody to answer to right? Customer is always right, blah, blah, blah. But, Again, it's a different circumstance, right? We're getting to build something for ourselves here and build our own future and really be in charge of our own destiny, as opposed to somebody in an office somewhere deciding, "Hey, I think I've decided I don't want your show to go on anymore." It's nothing personal, but the show's over and you now are unemployed. So good luck. And I I was just also
0: too when you get into your forties, things just also priorities shift. Like for me, I wanted more of a home balance life. With my career and when you're working in television oftentimes you're working 16 hours to 18 hours a day seven days a week yeah. or you're out of town a lot as well and so it just wasn't conducive to just the the lifestyle i wanted in my 40s right
1: perfect yeah oh, no exactly I w-
0: and i would also say for you mike i have a question um what tools from reality tv being a producer have you actually been able to use in your career transition
1: Honestly, Henry, it's, it's unlimited. It's literally almost every single tool I learned from reality TV from learning how to communicate and interview people and and get information out of them in, 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 in a very non-threatening way. um, That is one of them Uh, being resourceful, figuring my way out of any situation or my way into any situation has been so incredible. Um, You know, just being, I think, I think that a reality producer, what people don't really know. I I, I remember always answering this question. So what does it, what does a producer actually do? You know, what, what does a reality, what your reality, your TV producer, what do you do on a reality TV show? Well, what don't we do? Like we literally would do everything. And I think when you run a small business, you have to be able to do everything. Like you're your own marketing person. You're your own accountant. You're your own um, you know, whatever you're, you're everything. So that's where I think it trans it being a reality TV producer transferred over. I think honestly, Henry, I could, I could have chosen any career, any, any new business to do. And I feel like I would have had all the, a lot of the tools necessary. Now there's nothing that makes up for experience. And those are the things that I had to, you know, had to pick up and learn along the way, but, but 20, almost 20 years in television, um, has really in reality television has prepared me to conquer really anything.
0: And I would say too, just to kind of give some more context as a reality TV producer, oftentimes, sometimes you're called to operate cameras, sometimes audio, but also you're producing. And so you're, you're basically the person that is putting together the puzzle pieces from pre-production production production, to post-production. And you're the one that's the glue putting it all together. And with that then comes you know, you already said in terms of the interpersonal skills, where the communication skills, you also learn a lot of cold calling, which I think probably in, you know, real estate, there might be some cold calling or uh, every every
1: day, every day, I, I call right? 50, 50 cold calls a day, at least.
0: Yeah. And so in reality TV, you just cold call a lot of people and you have to become really good at being you know, able to connect quickly, which I think I really appreciated about it. And I think also too, you mentioned early on about when you went in and met Stuart for the first time in the interviewing and you found a personal connection. As Mm -hmm. soon as, you know, you brought your, you know the university of Arizona folder and then he saw it. And then he mentioned to his boyfriend on the phone, Right there, there was, a, there was a personal connection and something that I often tell college students when they're interviewing, that's something that you wanna look for. When you go into the room or if you're in a Zoom, look behind them and see what's personal, see if you can connect with them. So that way you can really make some sort of like a significant memory with them or some kind of real connection with them that they're going Absolutely. to remember you by. So, and I think, you know, in reality TV, not only do you become great at interviewing because you're constantly interviewing people, you also become really great at job interviewing because you're constantly job interviewing because usually gigs last like three months. So you're often like on the market hunting for jobs and going on a lot of job interviews, which I think is a skill then in any kind of industry in terms of career transitioning.
1: Well, it's people skills, right? I I think anyone can agree. Uh, in order to survive in this world, you need people skills, and reality television certainly provided that. You know, helped us nurture that. I think you and I have always had great communication skills, and and we were always able to make friends quickly and chat it up with anyone. But in reality TV, it sort of sharpened those skills and and refined those skills, and we have been able to forge you know lasting relationships with people. Um, who from all walks of life, I mean, I lived in the Amish country for two and a half weeks, you know, to try to find an Amish family who would, who would let us come and film with vanilla ice in their house. Okay, so like, (laughs) like this, these are the kinds, like, here I am some, you know, Jewish kid from the suburbs in Southern California, like going in Holmes County, Ohio, and trying to, you know, hang out with a bunch of Amish families with no electricity, like, you just figure it out. Yeah. How are you
0: going to connect? Right. Right. Yeah. You
1: you got to find, like, I can't talk about, you know, sports center that I watched sports center on, you know, on the TV the other day, like you can't do that. But, um, so, so the reality TV, I think has been, I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, it's, that, that was my,
0: that was my other thing. Would you have, um, wanted to now, would you have wanted going to scripted versus unscripted?
1: You know, I think maybe for the sake, in in retrospect, just for the sake of job security, possibly, I feel like there's a there's an, I I, I know the scripted world can be just as difficult and tumultuous as as the unscripted world, but um, I just feel like those jobs lasted longer, and the reality gigs, it would be like, oh, here's a three-week gig, here's a four-week gig, here's a two-week gig. We did have a good
0: in the beginning the first five years, because we were on... We did slank. And then we went to average Joe, which average Joe lasted a couple of years.
1: I was my first five years. I don't think I had one week where I was actually off where I was looking that for a job. Too. And, and so I was very lucky and spoiled in that way. I um, was
0: too, actually, we, we,
1: we can get into a, a, another time where after that five years, I so decided we, to quit yes. it all and, and move and move to Texas and start a new business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'll be a whole nother one. All right. So let's oh, wrap man. it up then. What are you grateful for?
1: I'm grateful for you Henry. I'm I'm grateful for uh you know you in meeting someone like you in my career who I did early on who I didn't at the time realize what a, a profound effect you had on me and what what a big role you played in my career. I mean honestly Henry, I like it's not like I I sat there and thought of you every day after after we worked together, but as I look back and as I get older I think about all the stuff that we went through And, um, I think, you know, get knowing you made it a lot easier and, um, that sounds like a really canned answer because we're doing a podcast together. I mean, of course I'm grateful (laughs) for my family and for my, my kids and my health and all that bullshit, Uh, but, 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 but in, in the context of what we're doing right now, I'm super grateful that I, I, that I met you and and we have a friendship that is a, a true friendship based on nothing more than just, you know, getting to know each other and bonding in real life.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I'm honored. You're welcome. Um, I would say I'm also grateful for you. And I think just seeing where you are now in terms of being a husband, being a dad, and also making, you know, the difficult choice to career transition and learn a new industry while you're also navigating, you know, a family and, you know, how are you going to do that? I think that what people don't realize that, you know, it takes a lot of bravery and it can be scary and, you know, and just understanding that you made the choice because it's the best thing for your family and you, I just think that, you know, seeing the person that you are now and how you've grown up, I just think it's incredible. And I'm just so honored to be part of your life and grateful that because not everybody, I don't know, Mike, it's like not everybody would do it. And you're somebody that you, in the end, in your awareness, you think about the bigger picture and you think about consequences and you really think about what's really, what's going to be long-term beneficial and not about the short-term. And you probably understand what I'm really talking about. (laughs) Uh, We'll get a (laughs) that later, but you probably understand what I'm talking about. And that I think is really amazing and that's just you know the strength of who you are. And that also when I thought when I talk about energy healing, you're somebody that is really grounded and you've been somebody that has always been easy for me to be around. Um, you don't have a lot of just chaos energy. You, you tend to stay even when it's you know stressful around. you tend to stay really calm in the storm. And it's just always been fun to work with you. We've all, we've had a lot of fun times and we've had a lot of just deep conversations and it's just been really easy. So I'm really grateful for that. Well, thank you,
1: Henry. That's, that's really nice to hear. And, um, I won't, I won't belabor, belabor our love for each other too much, but, (laughs) but, um you know, making a career change. And I, I, I absolutely want us both to get into this more because I think that um, when, I, when I sort of made it public that I was changing careers, I got a lot of people reaching out to me and sort of congratulating me and, and saying it's so brave, so brave. And, and, I, and at the time I didn't quite realize, you know, I didn't know, I hadn't done it before. So I just was like, ah, okay. I just, I was unhappy with something and I needed to pre- reprioritize. And so I did it. And only now, as it's gone on, have I realized wow, like this is, it's really hard. And I will absolutely share with our audience, and with you. Some of those challenges that I have encountered, I currently encounter, and I probably will continue to encounter as I go along. But it's not going to stop me because like you said, I am looking at the big picture. I am looking at the, the, the two, three, t- five, 10 years down the line here of a better life for myself and my family. And at the end of the day, my family is most important to me. And that is why I do everything that I do. And, and that is my, my, my top, top motivation. And, and it's going to make me choke up talking about it.
0: Um, For me, I'll also say, uh, when I started thinking about working in television, I just couldn't see myself working in television at like 60, 70, 80, (laughs) working like 18 hour days, seven days a week. I thought there's got to be something else. There's got to be a better way. And yeah, and I'm really grateful now that I did make the career transition and where I am now is so different than where I was a couple of years ago in the career transition because now my life is just much more peaceful and my business is you know, 100% up and running with like a full slate of clients and everything. And it's just, it was challenging in the beginning. That being said, it does the more perseverance and using the tools from reality TV, you get there. So I'm grateful for all of it and all awesome. the lessons that I've learned along the way.
1: And that's what we're here to do. We're here to share the lessons that we learned with our audience so that you guys listening can either go, you guys are full of it, or wow, I'm going through that same thing and I can totally relate and I'm excited to be able to sort of maybe gr- get one or two granules of advice that could maybe help me along that that way. And, um, and I'm excited for, for, the, for the new journey, for this journey.
0: Me too. It's kind of like our uh, second part of our journey here.
1: Absolutely. Part two.
0: And thank you for listening. Join us again next week for how we career transitioned in our forties and please connect and follow us on our social media. And please, please, please share our podcast.
1: If you have any questions that you want answered or comments, please send them to us via social media. We love to read them. We love to answer them and uh, we will We will address all of them, okay? No matter how ridiculous they are, um, we will address them, okay? You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Live and Learn Show. Live
0: and Learn Show. Or you can find us on our personal social medias. You can find me here at Instagram and Facebook at inspiringyou.co. That's at inspiringyou.co.
1: And I am on both Instagram and Facebook. My handles are at MikeHazen.realtor. M I K E H A Z A N dot Realtor for both.
0: And here's our disclaimer this podcast is for educational and self improvement purposes. So please consult with your health practitioner if you have a medical condition or need any other kind of help.
1: That's right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, we love you guys.
0: Thank you.